Radio Influence. The future is now. This is Beyond the Badge on Radio Influence. A look inside the biggest and most controversial news stories you need to know now. One of the country's most relied upon law enforcement analysts, Vincent Hill. Good evening and welcome to Beyond the Badge. I want you to do me a favor for just a few minutes. As many of my listeners are, as am I, we're in corporate America. And we go to work every day and we have a boss. And that boss tells us what to do, basically, right? You have your policies and procedures, you have your guidelines, your standard operating procedures, your memos, whatever you call it, you have a boss that tells you what's expected of you every day. Now imagine with me, if your boss, you went to work tomorrow and your boss said something really derogatory towards you, how would you feel? Let's use some examples, right? So let's say your boss was a male and you're a female and you walk in the office and he calls you the B word or fat or something derogatory towards women. Or let's say your boss is white and you happen to be black and you go in the office and your boss uses the N-word or talks about fried chicken and watermelon or just something stereotypical and derogatory about blacks. Or you're a female, you have a female boss and you're a male and she says something derogatory about males or your shoe size or your package or something like that, right? You would be offended, right? And you'd want action to be taken. And what actions? You'd probably go to HR file a formal complaint, do the follow-up, have the investigation of that complaint, all of that stuff. But what do you do when the person making the comment is the person that would investigate it, is the person that would handle the investigation and hand out disciplinary action to one of the employees? Well, that's exactly what happened in Stewart, Florida, And the mayor of Stewart, Florida, actually made some or just one derogatory comment towards one of the police officers there. And it was pretty, pretty sickening, in my opinion, especially with everything going on with police and community. And especially because the mayor is African-American. She's a female. The officer was white. And I'm going to get into what she said. And I'm going to let you hear a little snidbit of her press release when she gave her so-called apology. So this happened back on January uh, the 11th. Mayor Eula Clark, uh, who is the mayor of Stewart, Florida, went into a very small convenience store. So we're not talking Kroger's, Publix, Super Walmart, Super Target, a very, very small uh, grocery store there in Stewart, Florida, Taylor's Grocery Store. And one of the officers, police officer, Edward Fitzgerald was talking to the store employee and the mayor took it upon herself to say, oh, I didn't know we were serving pig tonight. I didn't know we were serving pig tonight. Now, for those that don't know, police departments across this country usually report to the mayor's office. And that's why I use the analogy of how would you feel if you went to work and your boss said something? Because This officer, I assume, since he was in uniform, he was at work or maybe he is on his way to work or just gotten off work. But the fact is, 
he was in a working capacity wearing that uniform. And then here comes the mayor of the city making a derogatory statement. I didn't know we were serving pig tonight. Now, this is the same mayor and mayor's office that anytime something happens with the community and police, they get involved and they investigate the police for their actions. So, why would the mayor then make a derogatory statement about one of her employees? Because that's what this officer is. He is one of her employees. He is sworn to protect and serve the citizens of Stewart, Florida, and protect and serve the mayor of Stewart, Florida. So she decides because she, I don't know if she was smoking. I don't know if she just doesn't like police. I don't know what her deal is. And if that is the deal that she doesn't like police, then I agree with the petition to have her resign because as the mayor, and when you're like running for mayor and when you get sworn in for mayor, they kind of tell you these things like, oh, and by the way, you are over the city police department. That's how it works. So can you imagine how Officer Fitzgerald actually felt to hear his mayor say this? Now, there's reports that he left the store feeling really hurt, and I'm sure he probably did. I'm sure when he saw her, he probably thought, oh, it's the mayor. Oh, this is going to be great. I can talk to the mayor. And she says, I didn't know we were serving pig tonight. Now, she made an apology, and I want to play it a few parts of it here for just a second, and then I'm going to eat it up like I always do. I have met with him and talked to him, and I have expressed to him how sorry it is that this unfortunate event happened. It happened. That was something that happened. It's done with. I want to move on, and I simply just want to make sure that they know that I have their back. Now, in case you didn't catch that, she didn't say I was sorry. She said how sorry it is that this unfortunate event happened. Well, Mrs. Mayor Clark, let me explain an unfortunate event. You calling that officer's family to say he was killed in the line of duty, protecting and serving, is an unfortunate event. But you making a derogatory statement is not an unfortunate event. It is you just being an idiot, plain and simple, because you cannot confuse unfortunate event with something you said out of spite of everything that's going on with blacks and police. And for you as a black woman who is in an elected position, the mayor of the city, to sit there and pick on this white officer simply because of what you've seen or what you think you've seen in the mainstream media doesn't make it unfortunate. It makes it really sad. And if you don't support your police, even though you claim to have their back, that was part of your other apology. I just want them to know I have their back. Well, how can the men and women of Stewart, Florida assume or be assured you have their back based on your mindset because your mindset is exactly what you said back on January the 11th. That is exactly how you feel 
about police officers in your city and in this country. So between January 11th and February 1st, your mindset has not changed. You still have the same mindset of police. So why would they then think that you have their back? Because you don't. You made it clear of your position on police in your city and in your country. Now, I'm no politician. I'm no political campaign expert. I'm none of that. But what I do see in your future, Mrs. Mayor, is if you don't resign as people are asking you to do, and rightfully so, I don't really see re-election in your future. Now, Marion Barry smoked crack cocaine and was still able to get re-elected. But when you cross the line of not supporting the officers in your city, don't you think those officers are going to start talking to your constituents if they already haven't? about what you feel about them and how you feel about them. And guess what? I know it's a democratic area. I get that. But guess what? I don't see re-election in your future. I'm just saying, you heard it here first on Beyond the Badge. Now, on to something else you heard here on Beyond the Badge first, way back in 2015. And it's back in the news again. Baltimore, right? So... The recent stats have said homicides are up from 2015 after Freddie Gray, 2016, and there are already 28 homicides, 28 homicides in 2017, and it is February the 1st. So if my math is right, and 2 plus 2 is a little, you know, uh, hard for me, but if my math is right, that's averaging about 1, 1. 1.5 homicides a day. And we're only at the 1st of February. Now, everyone is still on this whole police reform garbage in these cities where we've seen riots and we've seen looting and we've seen protests. It's always about police reform. Let me say this really slowly so people will understand. Police reform is not the answer. Crime reform is the answer. This is my 128th time saying this. Police reform is not the answer. So let's look at what Baltimore is wanting to do. Now, keep in mind, their homicide rate has gone up every year. 1st of February, 28 homicides in. They want to first make it illegal to target corner boys, right? And what does corner boy mean? Well, if you watch the show The Wire, the corner boy is the young male who stood on the corner and sold drugs. Now, as controversial as Freddie Gray was, guess what he was? A corner boy. He had a long history of selling drugs in that community. He was a corner boy. Now, let me say something again, really slowly. When police think that everything they do is going to be seen as racial, they stop being proactive 
and your crime rate goes up. I've said this on the show before, and it's being proven in Baltimore. Police, after Freddie Gray stopped being proactive, therefore the homicide rate went up. So now some Democrats in Maryland want to stop or make it illegal to target corner boys. Well, that is only going to not only increase your murder rate, but it's going to increase your drug rate because guess what they're doing on the corner? They are selling drugs. Let's be honest. If you had a nine to five or eight to 12 or whatever shift legal job, you would not have time to be on the corner and be known as a corner boy. But it gets better. And this would almost be comical if it didn't involve officer safety. So now they want to say an officer must contact the supervisor before making minor crime arrests, such as resisting an officer or disorderly conduct. So just so I'm clear, let, let's, let's be honest about what resisting an officer is. Now, there's two kinds. Okay, granted, there's resisting without force, resisting with force. Typically, based on my experience, this is just my experience because, you know, I've been out there in them streets, or as my cousin would say, I've been in them streets because he couldn't say ST. I've been in them streets. I've dealt with people resisting. It usually wasn't without force. So what that means, if I'm reading this right, even if the officer is struggling with someone and that person is fighting that officer and resisting and putting that officer in either serious bodily injury or death because of their resistance, they have to call a supervisor to get approval to arrest said person. Well, let's think about this for one second. Okay, I've thought about it. So at what point would the officer have time? to call a supervisor in the middle of someone resisting arrest. Because if you want to talk legality and the Constitution and all of this other stuff, once an officer places handcuffs on someone, they are therefore under arrest. Forget what you see on cops where the officer says, I'm putting these handcuffs on you for officer safety. The Constitution eliminated that years ago, and if you put handcuffs on someone, they are then under arrest. So, again, ask yourself, at what point, while little Billy is resisting and using force against said officer, at what point does the officer take his hands off little Billy key up on his radio and say, oh, Sarge, wait, little Billy, hold on, hold on, wait, wait, stop swinging, hold on a second. Oh, Sarge, I got little Billy here. He has kicked me. He has spit at me. He has punched me. I'm trying to arrest him for said crime. Do I have your permission to place him under arrest? Yeah, because that's really, really going to work. That's really, really going to control crime in Baltimore. So now you're taking even more authority, more power away from the police who are sworn to protect and serve the citizens of Baltimore and putting that power in the hands 
of criminals. Don't touch the corner boys, even though you're sitting there watching them do hand-to-hand transactions. Because, again, I've been in those streets. I used to work narcotics. Even though I'm watching Lil Pookie do 10 drug deals right in front of me, I can't touch Lil Pookie because this police reform says I can't target corner boys. And even though Little Billy is resisting my commands, he's resisting with force, I have to put myself in danger or risk Little Billy running away just so I can contact my supervisor to make sure that I have permission to arrest Little Billy for breaking the law. And they wonder why the crime rate in Baltimore is through the roof. It doesn't have anything to do with Freddie Gray. It has nothing to do with Michael Brown, Laquan McDonald, Alton Sterling. I can go on and on and on with names. It has nothing to do with those individuals, but it has everything to do with the liberals, the left, the Democratic Party making these silly, silly changes and not really focusing on what needs to be changed. And what needs to be changed is crime control. Do we need to go back and get McGruff the crime dog and send him in the schools and talk about why crime is bad? Maybe we do, because I can remember growing up as a kid, the crime wasn't as bad as it was, as it is now. And we had McGruff the crime dog. Roof, roof. He'd come to school. He would tell you why crime is bad. Don't do crime. Maybe we need stuff like that. But what we don't need in a city like Baltimore is don't mess with the dope dealers. And if little Billy fights you, make sure you get permission to arrest him. But, but, but if you see little Billy fighting someone else, it's assault. You make sure you arrest little Billy. But if he does it to you, make sure you get permission. That is taking the rights of police and putting it in the hands of criminals. Plain and simple. Now, it's not often on this show I I talk about a bad officer. And don't get me wrong. I, I know they exist. I know they're out there. I'd be foolish not to think that. I've worked with a few officers that have done questionable things that have gone to prison because of it. But I, I want to spotlight this officer, and I read this story, and I, I totally got sick to my stomach. And uh, the headline reads, Texas cop fired over feces sandwich uh, fired again. This officer, or former officer, named Matthew Lockhurst out in San Antonio, was originally uh, given an indefinite suspension in October after he gave a homeless man a feces Sandwich, And for those that don't know what that is, feces, that means it was a, two pieces of bread with poo-poo in the middle. Number two, that's what he put in the middle of it. And he gave it to this homeless man. Now, after that, he had done something in a women's bathroom, uh, this officer, where he defecated in a women's bathroom and spe- smeared some stuff on the wall. Now, listen. I personally go out and feed the homeless as often as I can. As often as possible, I go out and do it. I try to teach my son to do the same thing. Here is a homeless guy who thought 
that someone that was there to protect and serve him by giving him this sandwich was actually doing a good deed. But instead, he actually bit into human feces. Think about that for a second, and it's probably going to turn a lot of your stomachs. But think about that for a second. Now, I don't know what your position on the homeless is. I don't really care. But the fact is, that is a human being who was giving giving a piece of poop to eat by a public official. Someone who is sworn to protect and serve. And it's great that this officer was fired and he should have been fired because if you would do that to a homeless person, you have no dignity, you have no character, and you definitely should not be a police officer. Because just because someone is homeless does not make them any less than you. They may have fallen on hard times. That homeless person could have been a veteran. And we know there's thousands upon thousands upon thousands of homeless veterans in this country. Again, I feed the homeless quite often. I've talked to homeless veterans. And it kills me as a veteran to know that that's going on in this country. And for this officer, former officer, thankfully, Matthew Lockhurst, to do something like that, to feed someone a feces sandwich, you, sir, are a piece of shit. You fed shit, but you are a piece of shit. And I hope that you never, ever, ever, ever were a badge and a gun in any police department in this country ever again. It's police like you that give the 99.9% of good officers a bad reputation for that one action that is now all over the news. It's officers like you that make it hard for police to do their jobs. It's officers like you that make people not trust police. So you got exactly what you deserved, Matthew Lockhurst. And there's this old saying, what goes around, comes around. Somebody's going to get you back. It may not be the same way, but that karma thing, you know what they say about karma. You know what they call her. They call her the B word. Something tragic. I won't say tragic. I don't wish that on anyone. But something is going to happen in your life and you're going to reflect on it and say, wow, you know what? I shouldn't have done this. I shouldn't have done that because that's how life works. You do dirt to people, dirt comes back to you. Okay, I want to switch gears and I want to talk Chicago and not the typical way I talk Chicago and their crime rate and everything else and what needs to be done in that city. But I was reading an article and I was surprised to know that in Chicago, the suicide rate for officers is 60% higher than that of other U.S. departments. And just to give you an idea, 13 officers have been killed in the line of duty in the past decade, but close to twice as many have died by suicide in the same time span. And you know what's, what's 
troubling, and a lot of people don't realize that policing, although you see it on TV and you see what you think you know in mainstream media, policing is one of the hardest jobs in the world, if not the hardest. Now, I was in the military. I've seen some stuff, but not the stuff I've seen on the streets of Nashville. Like, a 12-year-old dying in my arms that got shot over a $5 dice game. Like a mother who had her head blown off by her son over her $600 Social Security check. Or a kid hanging in his backyard dead because he got a C on his report card and he thought he disappointed his parents. So when police are seeing this all day, every day, It's worse than a war zone, in my opinion. It's worse than a war zone. But what's troubling is, in the state of Illinois, there's a law that says if you seek help for mental health issues, then you can't, of course, get your firearms owner's identification card. And that is a law in the state of Illinois. So what happens is police, in fear of losing their jobs, Of course, don't seek out mental health because they think, okay, if I can't carry a gun, I can't be a police officer. I won't have a way to make a living. Now, that is sad that people that see the worst of the worst cannot seek out mental health, especially in a city like Chicago. It's no wonder their suicide rate for police officers is 60% higher than other cities. I've seen some stuff where I swear to God, if I didn't have someone to go talk to professionally, I probably would have lost my mind. There's things that I will never forget that I've seen, but luckily I had someone there professionally because you don't take that stuff home to your wife. You don't go home and say, oh, honey, this 12-year-old kid got shot in the chest and I was the first officer on the scene and as I was trying to revive him, he died in my arms. You don't go home and say, oh honey, guess what? A 15-year-old hung himself today because he made a seal on his report card. You don't go home and say, oh honey, guess what? I was the first officer on the scene to an accident where the guy literally had his head ran over, and crushed. You don't take that stuff home. So if you don't have someone to talk to, where do you put it? Where do you put it? Yeah, you can say, oh, you can just talk to other cops, but they're going through the same thing, right? So where do police have this release valve to be able to talk about it? And if there's a law in the state of Illinois that says, oh, if you seek mental health, you can't get your gun permit, blah, 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 then they need to exclude police from that law because otherwise, in the city of Chicago, the suicide rate of officers is going to continue. You may even see a spike because of all of this police reform crap that people keep spewing down our throats. You may actually see a spike in suicides because, trust me, the crime rate, if last year's numbers in Chicago are any indication The crime rate in Chicago is going to get worse. So imagine this. You're an officer. You get a call of a shooting. You show up. You see a dead little kid there. 
You don't think that messes with your head? If anybody says it doesn't mess with a police officer's head, I will tell you, you're full of crap. Because as many times as I saw it, it still messed with my head. As a human being, you cannot look at the dead body of another human being and it not messed mess with your psyche. It's impossible. No matter what training, no matter how tough, no matter how robotic pol- people think police are, it messes with you. It messes with you. So I'm not a politician. I've said this before, but I think that is a very, very stupid law. Well, let me rephrase it. Part of it, I understand there's definitely people you don't want having a gun that shouldn't have a gun, right? But when you have people that deal with the bad, deal with the ugly, that most people will never, ever, ever, ever see, even in TV, because that's all Hollywood. There's no feeling like walking in on a real dead body, trust me. Then that rule needs, that law needs to be amended to exclude police officers. That only makes sense to me. I'm just saying, I just thank God that I had someone to talk to when I needed to talk to someone. Or again, otherwise, I don't think I would have my sanity. I don't know if I would even be here because to see a kid, a boy, hang himself when you are a father of a little boy, it messes with you. To see a little girl raped when you're a father of a little girl, it messes with you. I'm thankful I had someone professionally to talk to. Tonight's 10-7, police officer David J. Fahee Jr., Cleveland Police Department, Cleveland, Ohio. End of watch, Tuesday, January 24th, 2017. Police officer David Fahee was struck and killed by a hit-and-run driver on Interstate 90 near Warren Road while assisting at the scene of a fatal accident at approximately 6 a.m. He was setting out flares to divert traffic off of the highway when he was struck by an oncoming car. The vehicle fled after striking him. The driver was arrested later that day. Officer Fahey was a U.S. Navy veteran and had served with the Cleveland Police Department for two and a half years. For his service, I thank him. For his commitment to the community, I thank him. To his family, my prayers. Godspeed to you, my friend. Thank you for paying the ultimate sacrifice. And thank you for listening. And good night. To continue the conversation, get updates on the show, and to find out when you can see him on television, follow Vincent on Twitter at Vincent Hill TV. That's at Vincent Hill TV. This has been Beyond the Badge on Radio Influence. 
Hey guys and gals, this is Ian Beckles. You may know me from my nine seasons in the NFL or from listening to me in sports radio for years. But now you get to see and hear the real me, uncensored me and also unfiltered as well on my new podcast, Ian Beckles, Flavoring Your Ear. What's flavoring your ear? I'll tell you what it is. It's a whole lot of fun. Food, fashion, sports, sex, politics, and my personal adventures as well. And a whole lot more food. Make sure to check out Ian Beckles, Flavoring Your Ear, each Friday on iTunes, Stitcher, TuneIn Radio, and RadioInfluence.com.